0: Thank you for leading that acapella. I don't know that I could have done that, but I'm glad that that, uh, that Brother Brenton could, and I'm you sounded good. So praise the Lord. Uh, occasionally we have uh, little glitches and things of that nature, but uh, thank the Lord that we were able to get through it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter number four. Uh, Acts chapter number four, and again, is uh, it's not a Memorial Day message per se, but uh, uh, we do remember Memorial Day. Certainly appreciate those who. Uh, gave their lives, and and the saying is that freedom isn't free. That's also true. Uh, Freedom isn't free in our nation. There's been many, many, many people who have shed their blood, lost their lives, uh, so that we could enjoy the freedom that we have. And we certainly need to remember that. The day we stop remembering that, uh, boy, we'll have serious problems, to be honest with you. And uh, as a Christian, uh, listen, our freedom isn't free. Oh, salvation is free to us, but it costs Jesus his life. And he shed his precious life uh, and his blood on the cross of Calvary so that you and I could be saved and be born again and have freedom in Christ. And so we certainly thank the Lord for his freedom uh, and for the price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary and for the price that the soldiers, the men and women who have died uh, keeping our country free, we certainly appreciate that. So Acts chapter number four, and just one verse of scripture this morning, and I wanna we'll read our, our text and then we'll uh have a word of prayer and we'll get into the message. But Acts chapter number four and verse number thirteen, the Bible says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Aren't you glad that God didn't record that about you? Um, I'm glad that I'm not in the Bible, honestly, because man, well, I'd be embarrassed, honestly, some of the things that'd be written down about my life. But uh, uh the Bible says that they were un that they were perceived to be unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled, and watch this phrase, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. What an incredible verse of passage. In all reality, and I guess that makes up for their ignorance and their unlearning that, uh, that they had spent time with Jesus. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word that we can read, that we can study. God, that we can learn from, that we can draw from. God, that we can be encouraged, we can be uh, educated, and God, we can be exhorted from your word. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And God, may we emulate the fact or or the, the actions of these disciples in spending time with you, that others would take notice of our life. God, not because of who we are, not because of, uh, of our, our goodness or whatever else there may be about us, but, God, that they would take notice of you in our life. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As so look at this verse, it's been on my heart for a while that this idea that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled that they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. A couple weeks ago, I was thinking it was last week, but then I realized I didn't preach last week. But the week before that, I preached on powerless Christianity. And really after that, this verse has been in my heart and, and we ought to be concerned that we are not powerless Christians. And, and how do we counter that? How do we become powerful Christians? And I believe the key lies right in this verse, even as these men, John and Peter, uh, they, they were bold. And uh, it stood out to me because I thought, you know, we see Peter as bold. That really doesn't stand out to us. Peter was a very bold person. Peter was the only one that stepped off of the boat and asked Jesus, bid me to come unto thee and to walk on the water. Peter was often the first of the disciples to open his mouth and give answer. Uh, Sometimes he knew the answer and sometimes he didn't, but nonetheless he was always the first one to say, well, here's the answer. And so it doesn't surprise me that Peter was bold. We know that in personality. But as we look at John, John was certainly not a bold disciple. Matter of fact, there's not much written about the uh, the disciple John in the Bible. Uh, we know that he was involved and we know that he was in the inner circle. Uh, as Jesus would go off a little bit further to pray, uh, if he ever went a little further or if he ever did some things, it was Peter, James, and John that were with Jesus. So we know he was part of that inner circle that was close to Jesus. But I think of John, when I think of the Apostle John, I think of somebody who is more quiet, more laid back. But you find here that they were bold, the Bible says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. and So John became bold and was powerful as a, an apostle, and as a disciple, and as a Christian. Why? Because the Bible says at the end of that phrase that they had been with Jesus. I think that we're going to look at that this morning, and we certainly need, uh, America needs to see powerful Christians. And when I say powerful, I don't mean, uh, senators and, and, and people of, of high positions, but rather Christians that have a power of God on their life on a daily basis. That's what I mean when I say powerful. And certainly America needs to see that. People need to, uh, see Christians. After all, they, they walk by Christians every day of their life. Christians, I'll say it that way. With the air quotes, that do not reflect the power of God on their life. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The powerless Christianity and and the majority of modern Christians do not represent a spirit of righteousness and a spirit of holiness that God has uh, on those people, and and uh, and they need to see those things in America. I was thinking about this, and the door-to-door sales of Christianity today is by and large gone. That, that whole door-to-door sales philosophy. People are skeptical today. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and witness and pass out. I, you should. Um, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I am saying, when you knock on a door today, uh, people are skeptical uh, I've read, uh, I'm on this group of neighborhood people and, and, uh, and they said, they said somebody came and knocked on my door and we just hid in the corner until he was gone. I'm not, that's what they say. I'm not kidding you. That's exactly what they say. And then they poke their head out and they grab the, whatever's left and, and they, and they, they, they read it. And oh he was, he was trying to sell, uh, he wanted to paint, you know, our house or whatever, or, or Water our yard or whatever. They were a service, you know, and and trying to sell that. And and, and that's the, the day and age we live in. Why is that? Well, if you watch the news, it's no wonder that people don't answer their door. It's no wonder that people don't want to talk to strangers. It's no wonder because of everything that's going on. And so uh, I'm just saying that uh, we have to live a life in such a way that people will see our life and recognize, hey, the hand of God is on that person and there's something different about their life. They need to see that. That's so important. And they took notice of Peter and of John that they had been with Jesus. And that's the only way to arrive in that point in our life is spending time with Jesus. You can, you know what, you can spend time with me. But you know what, it's probably not going to help you that much. I'm not Jesus. You can spend time with other people and that might be good for you. I mean, I'm not saying people can't have a good influence. They can and they should. But the bottom line is we have to spend time with Jesus. If we're going to get to that place, where we're effective. The Bible says in John 15 and verse number 4 and 5, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And he goes on and he says, For without me ye can do nothing. And we have to realize that. We have to get to the point that we must spend time with Jesus. Now, i got three things that I want us to look at that what spending time with Jesus will do for us. We read one verse in verse number 13, but if you were to read the context, you'd have to go back to John or Acts chapter number 3 and read that entire chapter, and it's a wonderful chapter. What happens is uh, John and Peter show up at the temple for a time of prayer, and as they're going, there's a beggar there, and uh, and he sits by that gate, and as they walks by him, he, he asks them, he says, alms for the poor, and he's saying, hey, will you give me some? And Peter, looking at him, says, Silver and gold have I none, but such have I, give I unto thee. And he says, In the name of Jesus Christ, arise and walk. And that man was made whole that day and that's quite a miracle and quite awesome to be honest with you and and as they go into the temple this man accompanies them in the temple and he's praising God and he's excited because he has just been healed and his life has just been changed And a crowd of people gather around because they saw what was taking place. And they realized, hey, this is the man that used to sit outside of this gate all the time and used to beg because he could not walk. And so they saw this man and they recognized this man. They said, hey, we want to go in there. And so all this crowd is all gathered around to see this man that has been made whole. And as they do that, go with me to Acts chapter 3. I want you to see this in verse number 12. The Bible says, well, let's go back to verse number 9. We'll, just, we'll read it a little bit here. 3-9, uh, the Bible says, And all the people saw Him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was He which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto Him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So all this crowd gathered around. Verse number 12, And when Peter saw it, He answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? I love Peter's response. Peter says, why do you think that in our own strength or in our own power, we were the ones that made this man to walk? And he, and he says, that's not possible. And he goes on in verse number 13, all the way down through the uh, about the end of the chapter there, and he preaches to them, Jesus Christ, crucified, risen from the dead, and with the power to change people's lives. Peter is very quick to say, listen, this man was not healed, and this miracle was not done by our strength and by our power. But it was from God. And he's very quick to point and, and deflect all glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and rightfully so. And so as they go down then, uh, there's some Sadducees there and the people of the temple who are very upset because they're preaching in the name of Jesus Christ right there in the temple. Well, that did not make them happy. And so they, they take Peter and John then, and they, they take them aside, and they're questioning them, and that's kind of where our, the context of where our, our text comes from, that these Sadducees and these uh, the, the priests of the temple, or the captain of the temple rather, seized Peter and John, and as they're talking to them, they, they perceive that they're ignorant and unlearned men. What does that mean? It means that they were not very studied in the Old Testament law. In other words, they didn't have all the knowledge that the Sadducees and that the Pharisees would have of the Old Testament law. That they were not the, the the super knowledgeable and schooled doctorates of the day. That's what that means. They noted these men were commoners. They were fishermen. They were regular people. But it goes on and it says, but they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. What a great redeeming factor. They may have not been well studied in the Old Testament laws, but they were well studied in spending time with Jesus. And as I read this passage and I think about spending time, spending time with Jesus will do this for you. It will give you purpose in your life. Peter and John uh, were, were just ordinary fellows. They, we know them as disciples because they walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I tell you this, they had a purpose in their life that was different from the rest of the world. What does this world live for, by and large? If you think about it, the world lives for primarily one thing one right off the mind, or right off the bat comes to mind, and that's pleasure. Where we live in a pleasure driven society. Uh, the world's concerned with, uh, or consumed rather, with entertain me and, and live for pleasure lifestyle. And, and the whole idea of earning money in this world is so that you can go out and, and blow it on pleasure and go back to work so that you can uh, go have more pleasure. That's the whole idea. And listen, pleasure in and of itself is not wrong. But if pleasure is the only thing you live for, eventually it becomes boring. In all reality. And it's like, you know, you've heard of the thrill seekers. And, and boy, they want to do this. And, and the next thing, they got to do something bigger and something better. And the next thing, they got to do something bigger and something better. And, and it just keeps going and there's no end in sight until they've done something. Uh, and they're like, man, I don't know what else to do. There's nothing more that this world really has to offer. And if they live for pleasure, uh, it's short lived. How about possessions? That's another thing that people live for. Save your spot here in Acts and go with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 12. The world lives for possessions, by and large. That's so that they can acquire riches. Luke chapter number 12. And I want you to see this short parable that Jesus gave Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 16. Jesus is speaking in Luke chapter number 12, verse number 16, and he gives this parable. He says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. I find it interesting in verse number 16, the man is already rich. He's already well uh, acquired many things. In verse number 17, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? He's saying he's already wealthy and things have uh, the, the farm did very well this year and the fruits brought forth very plentifully. And he says in verse 17, what am I going to do? And he says, uh, I have no room for my fruits. And look at all his my, my, my and me, me, me and I, I, I. Verse number 18. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. We find that Jesus gives a a parable against riches. Now, it's not wrong to be rich. It's not wrong to have possessions. But the Bible is very clear that those possessions should not have you. And this man was only and completely consumed with the riches of this world. Listen, that's the bulk of the world today everyone is more concerned about, well, what kind of car do you drive and what how big is your house and how much did you pay and how much do you have in your IRA and your 401k and your 50 whatever and your 600 and your 700 and I don't even know what all that stuff is. But they're all concerned with that, and, and they're saying, well, you need, to, uh, you need to have this much money. And, and a guy who aspires to be a millionaire, when he reaches the million, won't be happy, so he's got to be a multi-millionaire, and then he'll aspire to turn over two million. And then the guy who arrives to a multi-millionaire is not happy, and so he's got to aspire to be a billionaire. And then the billionaire is not happy, so he's got to become a multi-billionaire. There's people like that out there. I just couldn't even fathom it, to be honest with you. Most people couldn't even handle it, to be honest with you. But he's saying, don't live your life for the possessions of this world. That's the bulk of what the world is looking for. They're trying to live their life for possessions, to get all they can and to save all they can and to have all they can. And Jesus is, is, is teaching really against that philosophy. Listen, it kind of amazed me when I read over that again this morning. And I thought, boy, the world really hasn't changed much in 2,000 years. I mean, it's the same idea, same philosophy that the world has. And I'm just telling you that that's what the world lives for. They live for, uh, they live for pleasure. They live for possessions. They live for power. And the world really hasn't changed much. But back in Acts, we find that Jesus gives purpose to their life. Say, so what was the purpose? Their purpose was to glorify God and to help other people. That was their purpose. You know what? That goes on and on and on and it never grows old and it will change your life. That was their purpose. Jesus gives purpose. He said in Matthew 5.14, Ye are the light of the world. In verse 16, He says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hey, listen, we are to be a lighthouse to the lost world, to those that are wandering through this world who do not have hope, who do not have purpose, who are, are lost and have lost their way. We are to be that light that is shining out to them. Peter and John were that light. That man that was lost that day. Peter and John, boy, Peter didn't let an opportunity pass him by. He saw that crowd gathering around him, observing that man with a miracle. And Peter said, man, here's my opportunity. I got a crowd. And you know what? Peter started preaching to them and giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified. And Peter, he didn't mince words. He said, Jesus, which you crucified. He started immediately saying, hey, it's your fault that he died. He didn't mince words. He said he said that Jesus that you guys would rather take Barnabas, a murderer, and have him go free than Jesus. And, and boy, he started preaching Jesus Christ and uh, and, and preaching Him uh, crucified and risen and coming again. And he said, hey, that's the Jesus that will change your life. That's the Jesus that changed this man's life. Hey, listen, that's our purpose of this life is to give the gospel to the lost and dying world. Peter seized that opportunity when those people started gathering. And he gave them the gospel. We're to be a lighthouse. Jesus gives purpose. Listen, you have to spend time with Jesus daily to help you refocus your life. Listen, you get up every morning, and I get up, and I've got more. I I think I'm I think it's my nature. I, I think I got it from my father, is to be very project, and I have all these projects. And I'm never without a project that I'm working on. I've got Four and K. When I finish those, I'll I'll work on my list and get more done. But but I work on one project, praise the Lord, I got the car out of the garage. I got it fixed and on the road. Praise the Lord. So I got that. Now I move on to my next project. And I got other projects and I've got them lined up and I just do one after the other. Hey, if, if I get up in the morning and, and I don't spend time with the Lord, you know what? All my focus is well, I got to get these projects done. I got this and I got that to get done and I got this to get done. And our project ought to be to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. Spending time with Jesus will cause us to have purpose in this life. Hey, we ought to take time to spend time with Jesus. They took note that they had been with Jesus. Jesus gave them purpose in their life to reach the lost and dying world and to glorify God. Spending time with Jesus gives you purpose. I want you to notice not only does it give you purpose, but I want you to notice as well in our text it gave spending time with Jesus gives power in your life. I already talked about the fact that when Peter looked at this man, he said in verse number 6, chapter 3 verse 6, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse number 7, that man stood up and he walked. And he leaped and he praised God. He was, he was excited that God had changed his life. And, and man's strength will vary. Listen, our, our strength will fail, that's for sure. Some people are stronger than others. There's no doubt about that. And, and some people are, have more courage. And some people are stronger-willed. And some people are, uh, well, we kind of call it stubborn, for lack of a better word and and they they tend to they tend to do things and and they're they're strong-headed and they're going to get things done and, and listen sometimes those characteristics are are displayed as as hero traits and they certainly are and they're good things to have but listen eventually our strength is going to fail and we've got to recognize our limitations as people but Jesus will give strength I think about Elijah. Elijah is that prophet in the Old Testament. I think Elijah was probably a pretty headstrong prophet. I think God used him greatly and he had a very strong character. But at one point in Elijah's life, after he was running for his life, we find Elijah under a bush saying, Lord, take my life. Everyone's out to get me and I'm going to die. Just take my life. And Elijah says, I'm done. I've reached the end. And listen, if you strive to serve the Lord in your flesh, you will hit the end. You won't be able to do it. You'll be able to go for a while. Oh, yeah. Depending on your strength and depending upon your headstrongness and and your strong-willedness. But but at the end, you're going to hit the end where you say, it is not my ability, but it's God. And we have got to get our strength from God and Jesus is the one that gives us strength. Peter was a very strong character. You remember in the New Testament, I mean, he was the first one to open his mouth. He was the first one to say, "Lord, I'll not deny thee." By the way, the Bible says all the disciples said the same thing, "We'll not deny thee." But what happened? He denied him. And then he didn't only deny him, he said, "I Go a-fishing. I'm returning to my old lifestyle. I'm returning to the way things used to be. I'm going back to where I used to be and where, what things once were. And God was saying, hey, uh, listen, in your strength, you may want to serve God and you may want to do what's right, but you have got to get your power from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in our strength, we'll fail. We're just not able to. Jesus provides strength. I want to look at this idea that this man was healed. Listen, we know that signs and miracles were, were a transitional throughout the book of Acts. You read the first part of the chap, book of Acts, and it's exciting, man. I mean, the disciples are performing miracles. This guy's being uh, healed, and that guy's being healed. But as you go throughout the book of Acts, you find that it fades out, and there's no more uh, signs and wonders. It was a transitional period where God was, uh, was, was giving authenticity to the gospel that was being preached and the disciples and the new church that was being, uh, that was being spread about in all areas. And, and certainly God used that for a time. And we don't have that today. But let me tell you something. You can certainly minister to other people by just being a help, just praying for people, just being kind and helping them. There's ways that we can do that and I'm just saying that uh, that that, that, is, that is kind of faded out but God still wants to use you and God gives strength. He's the well that never runs dry. Turn with me, save your spot here in Acts but go with me to Jeremiah chapter number 14. Jeremiah chapter number 14. I was at a preacher's conference a few weeks ago and, and the, the preacher preached out of this passage a phenomenal message. Jeremiah chapter number 14. And verse number one, Jeremiah 14, 1, it says, The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the dearth. That would be a famine or a lack of rain that would cause uh, dryness in the land, the dearth. Jeremiah 14 and verse number two, Judah mourneth, and the gates thereof languish, they are black unto the ground. And the cry of Jerusalem is gone up. So in verse 2, they are suffering because of the dearth or the lack of rain that is in the land. Verse 3, And their nobles have sent their little ones to the waters. They came to the pits and found no water. They returned with their vessels empty. They were ashamed and confounded and covered their heads. Because the ground is chapped, For there was no rain in the earth. The plowmen were ashamed. They covered their heads. It's a sad portion of Scripture this is, that they were sending people out and they were looking for water, but there was no water. It was a dry land. The wells had gone dry. The pits that they had dug to collect water had gone dry. The ground that the farmers were farming had gone dry. And there was no crops and there was no rain and there was no hope for those people. I'm just saying that, hey, Jesus, He didn't say we'd be a dry and barren land. He said, hey, I will put within you a well of water springing up. You know what a well of water is that will spring up? A spring that will just continually uh, spew water out of the ground. Uh, We've been at a house and and that house has a spring and and that spring forces the water uh, through the pipes and, 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 and occasionally when the pressure gets too high, it'll just shoot it right out of the ground. It's not a geyser, it's a it's a spring that uh, that just has too much pressure on it and the water just continually flows out of there. And I'm just telling you that Jesus, he didn't say that we would be a dry and chapped ground, but he said that we would be a a a, a water, a well that would uh, that would flow through us. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. He said in John fourteen three, Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Hey, listen, we can draw our power from the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never go to the Lord Jesus Christ and find that the well is dry. You'll never go to the Lord Jesus Christ and find that the ground is chapped. You'll never go to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Man, I need something and not get something, because Jesus Christ is the water of life. Listen, we can always draw from Him, get our strength, and turn around and offer water to the world that is without hope, that is dry, that has sent their people to the wells and they're dry, that is looking for something and have nothing in their life. And I'm just telling you that Jesus Christ is the strength. He proclaimed to be the water in John 14. He proclaimed to be the bread of life. What is the bread of life? Listen, it's the two most basic elements that we need. We need both water and we need food. And I'm just telling you, Jesus said, hey, I will be that water. I will be that bread of life. And listen, spending time with Jesus will give us the spiritual power to be a light and a beacon to the lost and dying world. We can't do it in an hour of our own strength. We'll grow tired. We'll grow weary. We'll grow discouraged. We'll be frustrated. You know, it's frustrating when you try to help somebody who doesn't want help. You get discouraged. You'll say, "Man, I'm not doing that anymore." Listen, Jesus gives us the power to continue offering to the world time and time again, but we must spend time with Jesus because it gives us purpose and it gives us power to do what we're doing. I've got one other thing here in the book of Romans or uh, Acts chapter number 3. Acts 3, we find that not only does it give us purpose and it gives us power, but I want you to notice in verse number 9 as we read that, it gives people's attention. You know, and we read our text in verse number 13, the last phrase says, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know why Peter and John stood out in that crowd. More than just the healing of that man, it was because they had been with Jesus. And people took notice of that. When they healed that man, there was a great crowd that was drawn. And, and listen, they were all drawn to, as we read that, and they wanted to see what was happening. And as they did, uh, I love that Peter says, "Hey, you don't. You think this was our power? This was not our power. It was God's power." And he immediately points them to God. And and he gave. But God gave them the people that would come and say, "Hey, what's what's all going on?" Look with me in verse number twenty. Nope, chapter 4 and verse number 4. Chapter 4 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. That's pretty amazing. Here's Peter and John gone to the temple, they were just going to pray. And they see this man and and Peter speaks up, obviously led by the Lord and and heals this man and, and this man's healed and, and all of a sudden a huge crowd gather. When we see that in, in chapter 3 and verse 9, we don't really know how many people were there. The Bible doesn't tell us, but in chapter 4 and verse 4 it tells us that 5,000 men believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if that was over several Time, I don't know what it was, but I know this. They had a huge crowd. Why? Because they were plugged in to Jesus. They weren't, they weren't gathering a crowd for themselves. They weren't looking. Peter was not trying to bring honor and glory to himself. In all honesty, Peter and John were just Christians doing what they were supposed to do, heading off to the temple to pray and, and to serve the Lord. And, and when they did, they saw this man and, and, and he was healed by God. And after that, hey, listen, a big old crowd gathered and they said, man, I don't want to lose the opportunity. I've got all these people that are watching me and I'm going to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, you can reach people by being plugged in to the Lord Jesus Christ. I read this verse earlier, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. Hey, there's all kinds of things that you can do to be neighborly, to be kind. That's the whole point of, of, the, of the, the, the good Samaritan, is that he was simply neighborly and helped out somebody that, that was in need. And listen, if we help out people and then you take a gospel track, hey, I just want to leave you with this. You don't know what a difference that'll make. You don't know how that'll change that person. When you rub shoulders with somebody regularly, and and you just you you live right, and you're clean, and you're plugged into the Lord Jesus Christ, and you represent the spirit of holiness of God, and that you're trying to live right and walk right and talk right and do right, and and then you give them a gospel track or you witness to them and you invite them to church, and they say, "Man, there's something different about that guy, and he's got the power of God in his life." and And I'm just saying that people will take notice of that just like they took notice of John and Peter. They said, man, they're kind of ignorant. Maybe they'll call you old-fashioned. They're kind of old-fashioned. They're kind of funny. They They don't drink, and they don't laugh at the jokes, and they don't do all the things that we do. They're a little bit different than us. But there's something about those people because they spend time with Jesus. And listen, when people notice... We need to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Peter did. Say, hey, He's the one that changes, that changed my life. Jesus is the one that will change our life. He'll give us the power. He'll give us the purpose. He'll give us the people to minister to if we'll just stay plugged into Him. We stand our feet with every head bowed and every eye closed. The message this morning is simple. Be plugged into the Savior. Walk with Jesus every day. People will take notice if you'll just walk with Jesus every day of your life. Oh, it's work. It's a challenge. It's difficult. Life gets in the way, busyness gets in the way. But it's so important and so necessary to walk with the Lord every day of our life and get our power get our purpose, and get the people to minister to from Jesus. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. Thank You, Father, for the example that Peter and John are to us. People had taken note because they had been with Jesus. God, may we be encouraged, may we be helped and encouraged to spend time with You on a daily basis. God, it takes work, it takes effort. And I pray that You'd help us to walk with You, help us to spend time with You. God, help us to be plugged in to Jesus on a daily basis, to get our purpose, to get our power. God, to find people to minister to, just like Peter and just like John. God will certainly thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as God spoke into your heart as the piano plays, are you plugged in this morning? Are you walking with the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis? Are you spending time with Jesus? People will notice. I'm not saying that people are going to see you reading your Bible. People will notice because your life will be different. People will notice because your life will be have a purpose. You'll have that hope. That well of water. You'll have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the meekness, the temperance all of the fruit of the Spirit because you're walking with the Lord on a daily basis. He gives you purpose. He gives you power. He gives you people to minister to. Be on the lookout for those that need the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ or the gospel or the encouragement or the help.